0: Well, as we get started this morning, I thought, you know, it may be appropriate for us. We actually have a recording of one of the first prayers of our church. Did you know that? I don't know if it's the very first, but it's right there. It's on that first Sunday. And um, so uh, let's pray together. God is eternal. He's outside of time, right? So he, he can hear our prayers either from 1986 or 2016, and it's no difference to him. So let's pray along together here as we begin. On behalf of everyone involved in this started, I'd like to extend a very warm Christian welcome, to everyone, and thank you all for coming. Let's arise. Ask for help. Our Heavenly Father, with thankful hearts, we come to you. We ask for your presence, your blessings, and your spirit to be among us. We thank You for today. We thank You for the opportunity to love one another. We thank You for the opportunity to come in prayer. Be with us, guide us, help us in our day-to-day walk with one another to show Christ-like love to one another. Our goal and our teaching through Thy Word is to be more like Jesus. So help us from this day forward to do that. We pray for thy word, not only here, but throughout the world, wherever it is spoken in truth and sincerity, that you would bless it. So be with us, help us over the next hour, and speak to us, teach us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Wasn't it, isn't it great to be a part of a church, though, where, where we have a history like that, where we can look back at God's faithfulness and see what he's done? Amen. It is. It really is. And I'm grateful for that. And, and sadly, um, many churches haven't remained faithful, but by God's grace, he's still remained faithful to us. You know, we celebrated 30 years as a church and it's fun to think back at that time. I mean, check out this picture. This is from that first year. Are you in it? Do you reckon anybody recognize themselves in that photo? It was right over here. And uh, it's not It's not there there's a building there now. So this wasn't right in September of 1986, but um, it was it was close within that first year sometime as I understand, probably 1987 sometime. You know, I was thinking about it. Have you thought about what you were doing in 1986? Dan talked about it earlier Pastor Dan did when he was up here, but for me I was starting third grade in September of 1986. And in fact I was going through I was going through old photos And this one was my school picture in third grade, and it was dated, my mom wrote the date on it, September 8th, 1986, the day after the first service here. Isn't that crazy? You know, I look at that kid, and I go, I don't know if I see a pastor. You know, I had just started third grade. We still lived on the farm. I rode the bus to school every day. And a lot has happened in my life in those 30 years. I would, have, I would have never guess, guessed I'd be a pastor. I, I'm, I'm surprised by it. I'm still surprised by it some days. I was going to be an architect or an artist of some sort. I, I loved art. I loved design. And yet, in, in God's wisdom, he worked the circumstances in such a way that maybe I started down that road, but he turned my path in a hurry. And I ended up at Moody Bible Institute, ended up here uh, almost 14 years ago now. Which is crazy to think about that I've been here for almost half the life of our church. It's a pretty amazing thing. But I think about all the people who encouraged me and taught me and poured into my life over those 30 years when I look at that picture. I look back and I I see how kind and how merciful and how gracious God has been to me. And how good he was to me through my family and my friends over those 30 years. I wonder for you, when you look back at 1986, If how many of you, like, you're like, in 1986, when was that? I don't, I wasn't even alive. Anybody? A whole bunch of you. Wasn't even alive in 1986. But for you, when you look back, I, I hope it stirs your heart to God's faithfulness and thankfulness. And it, and it puts a hope in you, in in Jesus for the future. But the truth is, for all of us, when we look back at the past, sometimes we look back... And rather than turning our eyes forward, looking back tends to create some discontent in our hearts. Is that the case for you? It can be the case for me sometimes. I look back with this nostalgic thinking about yesteryear and think, oh, those were the good old days. I wish I could go back to that. I wish I could go back to that. But the reality is the good old days were never all that good, (laughs) is the truth. This, This is the story of the Israelites. Did you know that? The Israelites were freed by God from slavery in Egypt. Yet after wandering in the wilderness due to their own sin, they sin further and they start complaining to God. And the the text says that they even longed and lusted to go back into slavery, back to Egypt. They looked back at it and they said, oh, remember those days? Those were the good days. That's when we had food and that's when we had stuff to drink and that's when we didn't wander in the desert. And Moses and other leaders are like, are you kidding me? You were a slave. You were beaten within inches of your life at times for not working hard enough. You were under an incredible oppressor in Pharaoh. Those were the good old days, really. <laughs> really. We look back with, with kind of rose colored glasses sometimes, don't we? And and the reason I bring that up is sometimes before long we kind of can do the same things. And and we long for things that are past that God has said, hey, that was good, but that's done. Let's move forward. It's funny though how you know if we put up photos of the past, we always put up the good ones, don't we? We never put up the ones uh, we put up our successes. You know, we we don't put up the photos of our failures (laughs) because we've had them, haven't we? As a church, as individuals, we've had some rough days. But I wonder if we did a slideshow this morning, which we're not. But if we did, if if we, part of me would want to go. I want to put up some of those slides, and you're like, why would you want to do that? Because it's to remind us that God was still faithful when we weren't faithful. Amen? Isn't that good? We serve a good God. It makes me thankful looking back about the way God works. By his design, there's no going back. You ever notice how he designed time? Uh, Unlike Marty McFly, you can't go back. You can't go live it over. You can't do it over. Uh, It's always in God's heart and in his agenda today and the future that's in mind. So I bring that up because every time in God's word, when we're told to remember, when we're told to remember, it's always with the present and the future ahead. Have you noticed that? Every time he tells his people to remember something he did or to remember something that was good, he does it with the idea that it's going to motivate them to trust Him further and even more in the future. Not to just look back at the past and reminisce about it and go, oh, those were the good old days. It's always in view of the future. We don't remember the past for the sake of the past. We remember it. We take a little bit of time this morning to remember our 30 years as a church, to remember not the good old days, but to remember Jesus' faithfulness and our good God. Amen? Amen? That's why we remember things. That's why we celebrate the past, the past to trust God for the future. See, celebrating our 30th birthday, I like birthday better than anniversary because it makes me think forward. Celebrating our 30th birthday as a church this week, it was on Wednesday, September 7th. That's great. And that's exciting. But I'm only interested in doing that in so much as it reminds us of God's faithful to us, faithfulness to us in the past so that he would, we would trust him to be faithful to us in the future. Right? That's why we remember the past. There's no going back. There's only looking forward. After the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, what happened to the sea behind them? It closed up. No going back. After they crossed the Jordan River, what happened to the river behind them? Closed up. There's no going back. After we turned the calendar on 30 years, guess what happened behind us? Closed up. No going back. Today's year 31. And that's a good day and a good year. Because our God is good. Amen? Amen. And so God's word, he commands us to remember the past only in so much as it reminds us of Jesus' faithfulness to us in the future. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 43, we see God do this. And again, I'm not, hear me when I say this. I'm not saying it's wrong for us to remember the past. I'm saying it's really good to remember the past. But I'm saying when we do, do it with our eyes forward. Do it with our eyes forward. Amen. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 43. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. These are words that I believe God's heart would be towards you and towards our church. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. God's like, I, I trade whole nations. I stir nations because I love you. Because you are precious in my eyes. Maybe you need to hear that from the Lord today. You are precious in his eyes and honored. And I love you. God says, You're loved. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right. God's like, what other God can, can talk and tell you about his faithfulness than me? No one. And you're my witnesses to, his, to my faithfulness. It's true. He says, verse 10, you're my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed and nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and I saved and proclaimed, when there was no strange God among you and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. He keeps going. Verse 14, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives. He's, Isaiah's prophesying to the people who are in captivity. They're in captivity in Babylon, and they're wondering, where's our God? They, They look back at the past, and they remember what God had done for them in the past, but where is he today? Look at verse 15. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, the one who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. I'm the one who parted the Red Sea. Do you guys remember that? God's like, that was me. That was my faithfulness to you. I made a path in the mighty waters when the Jordan was at flood stage and I opened it up for you to cross into the land. Who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They're extinguished. They're quenched like a wick. All of Pharaoh's army in the sea, they're buried with the water. God's like, do you remember that? Do you remember how good I was to you? And he says, that's a good thing to remember. But then look what God says in verse 18. Well, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. God's like, forget all that. Remember it, but then forget it. Behold, verse 19, what's he say? I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I make a way in the wilderness and rivers and the desert. And the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals, the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. He says, he reminds him of everything he had done for him, like we just did this morning. And then he goes, I parted the Red Sea for you, did all this for you. And then what's God say? He says, now, uh, forget about that, because that's done, and now I'm about to do a brand new thing. Do you not perceive it? We're on to something new. I'm about to do something new and even better than that. Are you ready for it? That's what God's telling them. He's he's telling them, remember my faithfulness, remember it, but it's not gonna be like that. It's gonna be something brand new and it's gonna be so good because I'm good. And we look back at the past to trust God for the future. That's his intent of reminding us of things in the past, to trust his faithfulness going forward. Does that make sense? Are you ready to trust him to move forward as a church? You know, I look back at that third grader in the photo And rather than me long to go back to Mrs. Huseman's third grade class, I look back and I thank God for his faithfulness. And then it causes me to think, who's the third grader in 2016 who will be my pastor in 2046? I wonder if he's down the hall right now in Dan's kids ministry with Pastor Dan Leading and all the volunteers down there. I wonder if he's in another church somewhere studying God's word. I wonder if he has yet to meet Jesus. But you know what, God was faithful to me and I can trust that he's gonna be faithful to the next generation. And, and their, their faith and God's goodness to them in some ways is dependent on my faith and trusting him and moving forward and trusting God for a brand new thing. Well, we started looking at this and thinking about this as a board this spring. Today's, just so you know, today's kind of a unique message. It's less uh, really digging into God's word and, and, and pouring it out, obviously, or digging through it like we normally do and unpacking it and more just saying, hey, it's been 30 years. Are you ready for 31? And I, and I wanna share some things with you. That's why we were like, hey, 100%, we wanna get everybody here today to share with you some things about what God is doing and what we're excited about. Are you ready? If you're ready, say Go. All right, we're ready. Well, we started, as a board, we started examining our church. This started in, uh, in February, March, uh, at our spring retreat as an elder board. We started looking at things, and we said, hey, we're going to hit 30 years this year. What, what does God have for us for the next 30? What does God have in store? And we started uh, praying, and we started studying God's word together, and um, we, we started asking some questions about our church. How has God been uniquely faithful to our church? What's he up to here that's unique? What's he up to here that he's maybe not up to in 10,000 other churches? Like what's, what's unique about us? God makes each of us unique. I think he makes every church unique in their gifting and in their mix of people and their abilities. And what do we do better than 10,000 other churches just dreaming And we prayed and we talked. We worked through a a bunch of material together as a board in our retreat, and and before that even too. And it became clear that there was this one phrase that seemed to define our church. It's a phrase that um, I hear from people often if they visit for the first time or a couple times, and maybe I get a chance to talk to them afterwards. And you know what I you know what I often hear from them? I hear, man, that place was. It's it's like family. As a general rule, now we don't get it perfect, but as a general rule, it's like. I just felt so loved when I was there. It was just strange. I don't understand it. And we kind of landed on this phrase, which it's like, that's not new. I know, we're kind of figuring, we're learning, we're discovering who we are in a sense. This phrase, you are loved. And really, we, we, we realize that that really defines a lot of who we are and of what we do, doesn't it? I mean, when somebody new comes, maybe you're new today, somebody new comes to our church, what we want them to leave understanding or hearing is that one, they're loved by Jesus, and two, they're loved by us. They're loved by Jesus, and they're loved by us. You are loved. So we started building on that. We used that kind of as a scaffolding and started hanging some things on it. And we started evaluating. We kept evaluating things about our church. And we started next with our mission statement. Can you quote our mission statement, anybody? It goes like this. Our purpose statement, we we exist. It's it's really good. We exist to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And we looked at it, we go, yeah, that's really good. That's solid, man. We believe that. We're all about that. That's who we are. That's who we've been for 30 years. And then we started... uh, Evaluating it through some of the material we had. You know, we said, oh, that's solid. No need to update that. What a fantastic statement. Jesus told us to make disciples. And let me ask you, when you read that, does that compel you to be like, oh yeah, let's go. Let's charge. Let's charge the hill. Let's do it. And yeah, it didn't really us either. Not that we didn't agree with it or didn't think it was really good, but we said, boy, that, that's more of a purpose statement than it is a mission statement. It defines why we're here, but it doesn't really tell us what we should do right? And so we started evaluating it. And you know, if I'm brand new, does this move me to action? If I'm new to our church in the last year or two, does, do I hear this and I go, yeah, I want to get on board and do that. It really doesn't, does it? I mean, it's a good statement. It's biblical. It's, it's dead on. It's right. But we look at it and we go, I don't know that it's carryable. I don't know if I have handles on that, that I can take that. And I just want to run and do something for the Lord because of that. It's more purpose than it is mission. Does that make sense? And so we started evaluating. You know, we said well, it needed, we needed something that was clear, that a junior high kid could understand. We needed something you could say in one breath instead of a breath in the middle of it. We needed um, something that was compelling, that when you, you hear it, you're like, yeah, I want to I go. Let's do it. That's our mission. We needed something that was contextual, that really fit our context of a place where you're loved. By Jesus and by us. And it was actionable. So we we looked at it. We we worked on it for quite a while. We spent a ton of time on this. And we adjusted it to this. And you've maybe heard me say it. And you've seen it. It's actually been on the website for a little while now. But here's our mission statement. And I want to unpack it with you a little bit today. We are sent to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. That's who we are. And when I hear that, I go, yeah, I am, I'm sent. I can't tell you how many times since we worked on this this spring. And we're not, we're not throwing the other statement out. We're saying that's still a purpose statement. That's still true if we are. But, but this, when we want people to learn this and know this and memorize this, we're sent. I've, I've thought about this so many times this summer. I've, there's been hard situations I've, I've had to walk into. Almost every week that happens for the most part of ministry. That phone call you gotta make, somebody you gotta talk to, and you're like, I don't know if I really wanna do that. You ever have those things? And then the Holy Spirit would bring this back up in my mind. Hey, Josh, you're sent to love people. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're sent to love people. I'm like, yeah, I am. All right, I'm gonna do it. And I carry that. And and I hope that that would be compelling to you too. But let's just unpack it, maybe a little piece at a time. We're not gonna spend a ton of time on this today, but you're gonna be hearing this over and over and over and over over the next year in year 31. We're sent to love people. Well, like I said, we're not really plowing through a passage of scripture, but we still got to open our Bibles together, right? So I want you to look at Matthew 28 with me. This is where Jesus gives uh, one of the missions. He gives it a few times, different times in different ways, but one of the recorded times where he gives a mission to his disciples and to his church. Jesus came to them and he said to them, by the way, I believe there's more than just the disciples present here. I think there's... Uh, this might be the the time when Paul said uh, there were over 500 who saw him because this is one of the few times where Jesus had announced ahead of time where he was gonna be. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That sounds like a lot of authority, doesn't it? That's a lot of authority, all of it, in heaven and on earth. And look what he says. He says, go therefore, therefore. So in light of Jesus' authority, Jesus is like, I have all authority, so go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in there, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. Jesus is like, friends, I've been given, just in case you didn't know, um, think, imagine this. Imagine you're, you're hearing Jesus preach. He's like, just so you know, I'm God, and I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority. It's all mine. I've risen from the dead. I'm I'm, I'm here to love you, to serve you, and I'm sending you out. So here's, in my authority, I'm saying, go make disciples. That's what Jesus is saying. Because of my authority, go. See, we're sent. Do you see that? You and I, we are sent. Do you need to see it more clearly? He's sending us with a mission. In John 17, Jesus is praying the night before he's crucified. Verse 18, he says to his father, just as you sent me into the world... So I have sent them into the world. This is why he's praying in the garden. I've sent them. And it says here in the text, he was praying not just for his disciples, but for everyone who would believe after him. Guess who that includes? Did you believe after or before the disciples? After, unless you're like 2000 years old. After. (laughs) So you have been sent. Jesus is like, I'm sending you. Jesus says to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Loved ones, our God is a missionary God. And after uh, you are called to him in faith, if you've trusted him, if you've become a Christian, you are sent by him on mission. He makes no exceptions. Look at it in scripture. Every time somebody comes to faith, they're sent. The only exception I can find is the thief on the cross because it's not like he could get down. But even then he witnesses to the guy on the other cross. So I think he was sent to the cross. (laughs) Where are you sent? Where do you work? Do you think God is sovereign over that? I think he is. I don't like my job, though. Yeah, but God gave you a job. You're sent there. Did you know that? You've been sent to that place by Jesus Christ. Why? Well, what about your home? Are you, are you a child? Are you a parent? Are you a grandparent? You, you were sent there. By the God of all authority and power, you were sent there. He orchestrates everything. You were sent there. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. Who's the person you work next to? Who works down the hall? Who's uh, in the cubicle next to you? You were sent to there, to that place. Why? Well, that's the next taste. You were sent to love people. The guy in the cubicle next over to you who plays his music and annoys you like crazy or the guy just down the line in the factory who, who is just the most annoying, frustrating person you've ever met, guess what? You've been sent there to love him or to love her. You've been sent to love people. That's what Jesus has sent you to do. That's part of it. You've been sent to love people. You've been sent to your home, to love your family, to your neighborhood, to love your neighbors, to your job, to love wherever you go. He sent you to love. What does it mean to love people? Sometimes it's with kindness. And by the way, you were sent like Jesus was sent, right? He said, like the father sent me, I'm sending you. How was Jesus sent? You know, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only son. You could rightly translate that, that he sent his only son. Because in the very next verse, Jesus says, um, in verse 17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He sent Jesus because he loved you, because he loved me, because he loved the world. And just like Jesus was sent in love, you and I are sent to love people. But what else? By the way, when you love people, do you notice we didn't put any qualifications on that? That means people who are like you, those are easy to love, and people who aren't like you. People who agree with you and who don't. People uh, with your political persuasion and people across the aisle. People who've made uh, choices and lifestyle choices that are totally contrary to Scripture. Guess what? You're still sent to love them. And maybe it's by the Lord's kindness that they would turn to repentance through your love. You're sent to love people, and then you're sent to invite them. To invite them. Well, not condemn them. Jesus said, I wasn't sent to condemn, but that everybody would be saved. You're, you're sent to invite them. Salvation in Jesus is an, an invitation that's offered to you and to me. In the same way, we should invite others. I think about it. Who invited you to follow Jesus? Who invited you to obviously Bible? Who invited you to faith? For me, it was, it was my high school algebra teacher. It was my high school algebra teacher, Mr. Weinert. We called him Weinstein. Not to his face. But he he was, did you ever see Mr. Wizard on Nickelodeon? Mr. Weinert was like Mr. Wizard. Like he was just, he was super smart. But he led the youth group. And and long story short, he invited me. Um, are kind of risky at school to join them at their youth group. He invited me. And I took up the invitation. And over the course of that next year, I met Jesus. And now I'm here today. Who is it that God's calling you to invite? Who has he sent you to? You're sent to love them. And then you're sent to invite them. To invite them. You you know, it's not that hard to invite someone. Just invite them. You're like, I don't know what to say, Josh. You know, hey, what are you doing Sunday? Do you want to go to church with me? What's the worst thing that can happen? They say no. What's the best thing? They say Yes. Now, over time, I hope you get to the point of not just inviting them to come to church or to your small group, but inviting them to trust Jesus. That takes time. But I'm telling you, if if you just start inviting them here, build your faith there. If you're here regularly at all, you know very well they're going to hear the gospel within about 20 minutes. (laughs) Right? They're going to hear the gospel. They're going to preach who Jesus is. Invite them. Invite them. You know that research shows that for an unchurched person to come to faith in Jesus, they need on average to meet 5.3 Christian friends and have relationships with them. So maybe the only way they're ever going to trust Jesus is if you invite them. You're sent to love people and invite them. Well, invite them to do what? To follow Jesus. That's what Jesus says. He says that uh, go therefore and make disciples. And, and then baptize them, uh, teach them to identify with me in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I taught you. And you're like, oh, Josh, that's a lot of work. Well, here, Jesus sums it up for you. You're wondering, how do I teach them to obey everything Jesus said? Well, uh, at one time, the, the teachers of the law were trying to challenge Jesus, and they said, uh, hey, what's, of the, 600 some, the 613 laws in the Old Testament, which one's most important? You know, Jesus answered, he said, um, Well, if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you do those two. And really, if you do those two perfectly, you've done everything else. Teach them to love God and to love others. Teach them that they're loved. Help them see it. You're sent to love people and invite them to follow Jesus, but not on their own, with you. You're sent to love people and invite them. We are sent to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. This is huge. Following Jesus is relational. And if we're not inviting them to follow Jesus with us, we're just in, we might as well just invite them to go play golf into the country club. We need to invite them to follow Jesus with us. I wanna challenge you to memorize that statement. And I think if you do, You're gonna find out like me that there's gonna be days you don't feel like loving people. Hope you're okay with a pastor who admits that. There's days I don't feel like loving people, but I know the truth of the matter is that Jesus has sent me to love people and to invite them to follow Jesus with me, amen? And he sent you. He sent you, he sent me. That's who we are as a church. We are sent. There's a couple things Other things you're gonna start seeing and hearing regularly besides this new mission statement. We didn't stop with retooling our mission statement. We also updated our core values or better said our motive for why we do that. Our motive for why we love people and invite them to follow Jesus. I got a question. I asked this of our board when we started this process. I said, did you know... That as a church, we have nine core values. We've had them really since around the beginning of the church sometime. I'm not exactly sure when they, were, they started. Um, some of you might be able to tell us. But I, asked, I said, can you name any of them? So I'm going to ask you, can you name any of our nine core values? Yeah, I couldn't either. <laughs> None of us could. We didn't know. It. They were all, again, they were all really good statements that we go, yeah, I believe. Oh yeah, that's, oh, yeah, we read that. Yeah, that's really good. We like that. We realize that really doesn't describe, that's not something we hold deeply so much that we can just rattle it off the tip of our tongue and say, that's who we are. That's what we hold deeply to. So what we're going to be doing over the next five weeks is we've kind of looked at our mission statement. We looked at this fact that we're loved. We built on that. We said we're sent to love people then and invite them to follow Jesus with us. And why do we do that? Well, we... We have a list of five things that really we believe describe who we are, what we're about, and what we hold to deeply as a church, right? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to just, I'm going to give you a brief overview of them really quick right now. And then each week we're going to take one and a passage of scripture. Next week we'll be in Colossians chapter one. And and we're going to take five weeks and we're going to unpack these core values. And I think when you hear these, you're going to hear them and you're going to go, yeah, nailed it. That's who we are. That's our church. That's who we are, man. That's why we love people. You want to hear the first one? It starts like this. You've heard this maybe before. Number one, it's all about Jesus. You ever hear anybody say that? It's all about Jesus. This is a core value of our church. We hold this firmly and we say, man, no matter what happens, if it's not about Jesus, then let's find something else to do. It's all about him. It's not about me. I hope if you ever show up, maybe you're visiting today. Or maybe you know somebody who's only visited one time. If you, if you hear nothing else, I hope you hear that from our church. It is all about Jesus Christ. We're going to unpack that next Sunday. You, you should know Jesus is first in our church. Amen? Amen? He's first in not just our church, but in everything, Colossians 1 tells us. And he is fully God and he's fully man. He, did you know Jesus was present at creation? He's first. He was there. In fact, Colossians tells us he, he helped create everything. He was the one who created all things, and he's the one who holds it all together after he created it. You know, Jesus Christ, more, more, he, he's the most influential person in all of human history. Fully God and fully man. More songs have been sung to him, more books written about him, uh, more, more lives devoted to him, more prayers prayed to him than anyone else in human history. That's Jesus. In fact, we account for time based on this man's life. It's all about him. B.C., before Christ. Now they've changed it before common era. It's still rotated around Jesus' life. Before Christ, A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. History literally rotates around Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus. Amen? It's all about him. Friends, it is all about, it is all, it is all about Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we're sent, because it's all about him. That's number one. Do you agree with that one? That describe us? Yeah? All right. Number two, we we keyed on this word all. God wrote it all down. He wrote it all down. Everything that you and I need to know to live a life that's honoring to Jesus Christ, that's honoring to the Lord, to live a life of joy and fulfillment, God wrote it all down in a book. He wrote it all down. God's word is our highest authority. In fact, Bible is literally our middle name. Think about that for a second. Obviously, community, Bible, church. God wrote it all down. So, when you're here, you're going to hear me preach from the Bible. Whoever's up here, you're going to hear him preach from the Bible. Because I have nothing to tell you that's not a value or that is a value apart from God's Word. In fact, I would challenge you that the day I quit preaching from God's Word, fire me the next day. I'm not kidding. Fire me. Get Donald Trump in here and point at me, and you're gone, buddy. Because God wrote it all down. And it doesn't matter what Josh says. It matters what Jesus says. He wrote it all down. It's the power of God unto salvation in the book that you hold. And we should study it together. We should live by it. We should learn it, memorize it. It's clear that apart from Jesus, we're hopeless to save ourselves. So rather than offer self-help that would explain to you how you could make your life better, now you're gonna hear me preach from God's word and explain how Jesus makes your life better. That's who we are. It's all about Jesus. Two, God wrote it all down. Do you agree with that one? You with me? All right. Number three, here's the third one. All people matter. All people matter. Every living person on the face of this earth has been created bearing the image of God. And so you know what? Because of that, They matter. From the moment they're conceived in their mother's womb to the moment they breathe their last breath, they matter. Because they bear God's image. Whether they have all their mental faculties or not, they matter. Loved ones, you are loved and you matter. You matter, all people matter, no matter who you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the language you speak. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. You matter. You are loved and you matter. All people matter because they bear God's image. No matter the lifestyle you profess, you still matter. Even if it's in conflict with God's word, we're still sent, I'm still going to love you. And I may challenge you because I love you, but you still matter. Amen? Amen? There is no one, in other words, when we say all people matter, there is no one we would not love and invite to follow Jesus with us. Do you agree with that? Let's learn to live that. No one we wouldn't invite. Number four, here's the fourth one. By the way, do you agree with that one? All right, number four. Here's the fourth one, another all. We all need friends. We all need friends. Jesus adopts you into family. He's he's adopted you to be part of a family, to be in relationship with other people. In fact, when you bear God's image, you matter because you bear God's image. But there's one part of, of who God is that you cannot reflect all by yourself. You ever thought about that? Jesus is what, or or God is what? He's Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Spirit, and Jesus. He's Trinity, and he's he's one, three persons, but one, and he's in loving relationship all the time with himself. So if I'm really gonna image God, I have to be in relationship with other people too, because that's an aspect of his nature and of who he is. We all need friends. The person who says, I don't need the church, I'm just going to sit home and watch it on TV or read the Bible on my own. I really don't need people. That's akin to the five-year-old who takes off from home and says, I'm good without you, mom and dad. I'll be all right. It's, It's foolish and it's childish. You're created in God's image and you need friends. You need to get connected in a 110 group, or at least you need to be in relationship with other believers here at our church, even if it's not in a 110, but I hope it's in a 110. We all need friends. Plural. It's God's design for you. So our our first, do you agree with that one, by the way? Yeah. So our first four values, we all talked, we just keyed in on this word all. And then for our fifth one, we flipped the script and we went to none. Here's number five. No sacred cows. No sacred cows. Our first four values... uh, are About what, all the things that we have, the last one is what we 're not going to do. We're not going to hold sacred cows. You know what a sacred cow is? It's an idiom in American English, and it's based on uh, the understanding of the popularity and, and sovereignty of, and reverence for sure words are right here but of, of cows in Hinduism, and they, they worship cows. If you ever go to India, you will literally see cows wandering the streets. You will. You'll see them sitting on the roadside. You'll see people, they'll be in the middle of the road and cars will slow down and drive around them or just stop and wait for them, sometimes uh, an hour or more to cross before they keep going because they're sacred. And it's amazing because when you see these cows, many of them, when you see them, they're not, you would get kicked out of 4-H if you tried to show one of these cows. <laughs> they're, they're sickly looking. They're, they just, they don't, it's just like, That cow would be in so much better shape if he'd just be put out of his misery and taken out back. He would. The other thing that you'll see in different places is you'll see people starving. Yet there's these cows that would make a great steak dinner and there it is wandering around. But nobody's willing to kill it and put it out of its misery for its own good. And nobody's willing to kill it so that uh, life could be better for others or that they could move forward. And it's a sacred cow. We have them in churches. Do you know that? We do. And they moo. (laughs) They do. They moo. Here's here's some, see, I think it's something, it's just immune from criticism or questioning. I don't question that. Nope, that's just how it is. And usually unreasonably so. You want to hear how some sacred cows moo in churches? Sometimes they have in our church and still do at times. We can't change that. So-and-so gave that painting. We've, we've always, it's always been hanging right there. You can't move it. Moo. We can't get rid of that program. We can't get rid of that class. We, we've always had that program. We've always offered that class. We can't get rid of that. Moo. We can't paint the wall that color. We can't, we can't change that. It's always been that. Moo. And they just get louder and louder. We can't do that. We've never done it like that before. Moo. (laughs) Sacred cows and they moo. Now, are any of those things wrong that I just mentioned? Is it wrong to have a nice painting somebody gave and hang it up? Is it wrong to care about the color of different things, the paint on the wall? Is it wrong to care about programs and to even be attached to them? No, it's not wrong. But it's wrong if we elevate that and let that be in the way of honoring Jesus and moving forward. When we look back to the past and we look back at the past, say that was so good, that was so good, that was so good. And we keep our eyes there and we never move forward. Amen. By God's grace, we've killed a lot of sacred cows in the last few years. And I know that's been hard for many of you, but I wanna tell you how encouraging it is to see what God's been doing and to see your faith and your willingness to say, you know what? Jesus is sacred. My opinion is not. Um, God's word is sacred. My agenda is not. Um, And that we're willing to change anything short of uh, God's word and believing in who Jesus is and and the truth of the gospel. But everything else we hold with an open hand and we go, you know what? If if we would change this and let go of this, if that would help more people understand this and meet Jesus, you know what? That's going to be really hard, but... I'll let go because it's not sacred. Jesus is, and that's who I hold on to. It's a core value of our church. No sacred cows. We all have them. I have them. I have them. And I have to be willing to take it out back and shoot it if it means that the gospel will move forward more powerfully. Amen? You can tell I'm passionate about that, can't you? Because I talked about that for longer than I anticipated. But here's what I want you to leave with knowing. Uh, there's there's a, lot of, a lot of big things coming for our church in year 31. You'll hear more about it um, uh, un- unrolled here over the next few months. Uh, uh, by, by God's uh, grace, hopefully a building campaign where we can renovate some things in our church and even add on. Um, a, a campaign financially where we're going to go on a journey together spiritually. Um, hiring another pastor. Um, there's a lot of big and good things happening here. God's been really gracious to us. But as we do this, you're going you're gonna to hear these things more and more. That we, we got to, if, if, if we're going to maintain unity, if we're going to maintain faithfulness to Jesus, we got to understand who we are and who are we. We're sent to love people and to invite them to follow Jesus with us. And why do we do it? Because it's all about Jesus. And God wrote it all down for us. And all people matter. And we all need friends. And we're not holding on to any sacred cows. Amen? You'll hear more about it this fall as we keep going. But you need to know that you're loved. And God has been incredibly faithful and good to our church over 30 years. Hear that. He has done some incredible things here. And I'm so thankful to be a part of it. But like he said to the Israelites through Isaiah, forget that, I'm doing a new thing. Let's trust him to move forward, amen? Amen, let me pray, then we're gonna sing and take our offering and call it a morning. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks that uh, it is all about him. This is his church. It's not my church, it's not our church, it's his. He is the senior pastor. And Lord, because of that, he has authority to send us to do his will, not ours, but his. And he sends us to love people, to love people who are like us and unlike us, who are near us and who are far from us, and to invite them to follow Jesus with us. Lord, remind us as we we look this morning that it is all about Jesus over the coming weeks. Remind us that he's sacred. Remind us that you've written all of it down, that we look to your word for our authority not our opinions. Father, um, I pray as people come to our church that they would know that they're loved by you and by us and that they matter, no matter who they are. I pray that all of us would uh, learn to be in relationship and in friendship with others. And Lord, I pray that we would hold uh, to Jesus and to your word only. And that everything else, all of our preferences, we would be willing to release them if it meant more people meeting Jesus and more glory for Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. It's all because you love us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.